Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are again with the Replant Bootcamp talking about the 13 characteristics again. Glad to be back with you, Bob Bickford, who is now officially another year older. <laughs> Thanks for uh, sharing that, Jimbo. I am. I'm older and slower and weaker. <laughs> I was going to say wiser and more regal. Okay, we can say that. That's not incongruent with the things I just said. <laughs> <laughs> But I am, man. Like I, when I'm out in the yard working and lifting stuff, I'm thinking, "Oh, man, I just hauled it. You know, I just lift this up over my head." Not anymore. Not as much. I think I, I've got to do some pastor fits, some crossfit, some something. I don't know. I'm uh, <laughs> losing some muscle tone. I got to do some steroids. I don't know. Supplements, shots. Who knows? You know. Have, has your AARP card come in the mail yet, dude? That happened a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> And they keep sending them because I've not joined. They just want me to continue to join. Well, do you get, you don't get discounts at Shoney's yet, do you? Well, I don't go to Shoney's. <laughs> number one. So I did go to Shoney's Buffet with Mark Clifton, and it had to be the worst uh, <laughs> breakfast experience that I've had ever in my entire life. So I, my memory yeah. of Shoney's as a kid was glorious because. Growing up, when I was a young child, we did not have a lot of money, and my parents would buy a small pack of bacon, and about once a month or so, we'd have a big breakfast, and because there were four kids, we'd each only get like two pieces of bacon. Oh, yeah. And my whole life at that point as a child had only experienced very limited amounts of bacon, <laughs> and the first time we went to a Shoney's. I, I was, it was such a vivid memory for me Oh no! going to the buffet bar and just seeing this mountain of bacon and asking the server who was putting it there. I said, how many pieces of bacon is each person allowed? And he looked at me and he smiled and was like, it just glimmered behind him an angelic moment when he said, as many <laughs> as you want. So how many did you get? I just piled it all on the on my plate, and I walked <laughs> back to the table with just a just a pile of bacon. That's all I had on my plate. <laughs> oh man! I probably yes. ate twenty five pieces of bacon that morning. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love me some bacon. Well, I, I don't go to Shona's anymore, but I am. I, I do still love bacon. We do every Monday morning as a family. We do Monday morning family breakfast. And uh, almost always we, we have bacon. That's good, man. New Covenant. I love it. You got to have the right brand. The right brand is right brand. There is a brand called right brand. It starts with the W, W-R-I-G-H-T. And that is the right brand of bacon. If you haven't tried it, you need to do yourself a favor and get some right brand bacon. I'm going to have to come to Florida because they don't have that up here. So it's in, it's at Walmart. You don't go to Walmart. You got to go to Walmart. It's called, it's right brand. It's a national brand, bigger, better bacon. That's their slogan. Okay. 
And it's accurate. It's an accurate slogan. Bigger, better, bacon. It's good. All right. We should probably talk about something that actually has something to do with replanting and not just bacon. But let's do it. um, We want to continue the conversation about the 13 characteristics as we have categorized them into the four groups. And so we're we're going to attempt to fit all 13 characteristics into four episodes as we do it head, heart, hands, and habits. So starting with the head, we talk about what it means to think like a replanter. So what does it mean to think like a replanter? Well, that includes three characteristics, visionary shepherd, organizational awareness, and tactical patience. Now, each of these is really a complex characteristic. These are all about leadership thinking and the ability to uh, (coughs) think through all the things you do as a replanter. Bob, what does it mean to you to think as a replanter? Well, part of the important for for uh, important part of us uh, being replanters is how we approach a situation and what we think, um, our, our thoughts about what we do and ourselves and the role that we have and the condition of our church. So, obviously, thinking is a very important part of of doing that. And what we typically find is replanters think in particular ways about replants and churches and people and themselves. And so I think when, when we sat down and identified these characteristics way back in the day when the replant team started, one of the first things we came up with was visionary shepherd. And that's this idea that uh, it, you have to be a visionary. And so church planters are visionaries. If you've ever sat down with a church planter, they'll tell you, here's what the church is going to look like year one, two, three, four, five. Here's what the music's going to look like. They've probably already got a logo that they want to show you etc etc right so they're calling people to that vision a replanter their vision primarily centers around god doing an incredible work in that church and he looks at that old church that's in decline that needs a lot of uh things to happen to the facilities uh to its program it probably doesn't have a website or if it does it needs to be revamped all those sorts of things he he can see all that but instead of seeing all the steps that that you know would that would need to be taken to make those things different, he sees the vision of a vibrant, healthy church functioning in that location and what it looks like when it is healthy, not just a church with a better website, but a healthy church that's engaging its community and living on mission. And then here's the defining characteristic: he's able to shepherd people towards that vision. He lovingly leads them towards the accomplishment of becoming a healthy, vibrant church. A church planner is the guy that's out front shouting for everybody to get on the bus, right? A church replanter is sitting inside the building telling people, hey, guys, we need to go on a trip. And that trip means that we're going to have to stand up. And then we're going to have to walk out this door. And then we're going to have to get on the bus. And then we're going to have to take a trip together. Right. So um, that's a a long roundabout way of talking about visionary shepherding, but planters tend to run over people in the accomplishment of their vision. I don't want to say that negatively, but that's just what they they just go for it. Right. But a replanter has to lead people along towards the accomplishment of that vision. The way I see the difference oftentimes in the way I understand it is as a church planter, 
you start with a vision, but no people. And so you bring people onto the bus by getting them to buy into the vision. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm a church planter and I take you out for a cup of coffee and I share the vision with you and you go, I'm just not buying it. I, I, I don't, I, I appreciate what you're doing. Just, just not for me as a church planter, the wise and correct thing for me to do is not to continue to try to get you onto the bus. I need to move on to the next person and see if I can get them to buy the vision. And a good church planter has the ability to get people to buy into that vision. And that's who they build the core team out of the, of people who already believe in and want to go that direction. The reason a replanter has to be a visionary is the church is not where it needs to be. And the Mm -hmm. church has got to figure out a vision of where God has the next steps for that congregation. But the reason he has to be a visionary shepherd is because he doesn't get to choose who's on that bus or or like you said, not even really on the bus yet, but he doesn't get to choose who's a part of that story. He doesn't get to say, okay, Bob, you didn't believe in the vision. That's okay. We can still be friends but I'm going to move on to the next guy because the next guy is going to help me figure out how, how we can get there. Now I've tried to sell you the vision. You didn't buy in. I have to figure out how to shepherd you to that vision. Mm-hmm. And I have to understand as a replanter that that is going to be a slower process than church planting because Absolutely. I can't just move on from you. I have to recognize. And, and here's, Here's where I think the difference between when you know whether you're called to this or not. If you're called to this, then you don't necessarily see that moment as a loss and as a burden, but as an opportunity to shepherd and disciple somebody to a vision and to be on mission, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not a, ah, oh, why do I have to talk this guy into this? It's a, okay, this is the job. This is what God has called me to, is now to shepherd this person to what God has for us next. So the definition we have on paper is kind of the official definition is a visionary shepherd has the ability to sense and see God's next steps for a congregation and the capacity to lead the church forward as a loving shepherd. And so you got to be a visionary shepherd, but you can't just be a visionary shepherd. That can't be the only way you're thinking through things. I think that's honestly, in my opinion, the primary characteristic that really almost everything else we're going to talk about kind of is is supporting of that idea of what it means to be a visionary shepherd. Now, there, there are eight characteristics that you guys came up with on the replant team before you were graced with my presence on the <laughs> And before, before you you came in and you brought five additional ones. Until yes. I came in and brought five additional ones, which weren't, which weren't mine either. So I stole them with permission from a guy named Dr. Stephen Hudson, who did a really great PhD paper out of Southern Seminary on uh, mixed methods study of develop, uh, determining competencies of church revitalization pastors. And so I, yeah. in my doctoral research, have taken his doctoral research and kind of added that and undergirded the original eight as well as added some. Now, some of these come out of human resources, language, and competencies, and but I think they still are very important for us to understand. And so one of those 
that out of the five that we have added, that may be the hardest one to really grasp, but I'm convinced is still very important, is organizational awareness. Yeah. The kind of layman way I like to define organizational awareness is really the ability to understand the personality of the church as a whole. Like, not just the personalities, because that, that's kind of more emotional intelligence. Organizational awareness is really figuring out the, the personality of, of like the unit, the, the organization as a whole, and kind of its role in its context and culture. The official definition that we have is a replanter with organizational awareness is adept at understanding how power dynamics work within the church, anticipating how changes would be received, recognizing where change may produce friction, and showing an awareness of how current practice and changes affected their position within the community in which they serve, which is a mouthful, but I think it's still, I think it's worthy to have this in the list and understand that we have to have organizational awareness as a replanter. No doubt. I, I, this reading that definition made me think about my early days of replanting. And I, I don't think that this was a high in the first three months, I didn't have a lot of organizational awareness or they, the church, when I came in and interviewed and began to visit in homes, what they said to me, caused me to kind of short circuit my search to become more aware of the church as, a, as an entire body. So called me there, voted 100% to, to call me. Every single person in the home that I visited, we visited in their homes and, and every single person said, we need to change. We need to change. We need to change. We're ready to change. We need to change. So you think, oh, we got a strong mandate for change. Let's drop it, the hammer, and let's roll and let's do it. But you know what? Is that what they meant? Absolutely not. What they meant is we just want you as a younger pastor. You know, I was young when I came, Jim, but that was 10 years ago. I was 43. Right. So um, we want you as a younger pastor to come in and just bring young people here and do the same things that we've always done. That's the change they wanted. But that's not the change that God had for us. It's not the change that we needed. So being organizationally aware, I began to think through, okay, who are the leaders and the influencers? And, and as I got ahead of the church a little bit and changed, the conflict started following. And were I to go back and do it differently, I think I would have delayed a little bit, slowed down a little bit, and began to understand the real readiness in our church for change and the power brokers that were in place. One of the things that used to happen uh, frequently, but doesn't happen much anymore is I'll meet a guy that, that has received a call to be a replanter, revitalizer. And one of the first things he says is, you know what? Uh, I've just been there a couple of weeks uh, for one of the first goals and objectives is I'm going to change the bylaws. <laughs> it's like, hold on there, cowboy, right? Like <laughs> back it down a little bit. I love your enthusiasm and they probably do need to change, but not right now. Right. Yeah. So that's the deal. When, when you don't have a lot of organizational awareness, you don't know, you haven't done the research to know the history and the things that, worked and didn't work and the things that caused the previous pastors to, to leave early perhaps or to be forced out, then you're not really doing yourself any favor to develop organizational awareness. And I think anybody, this is, this is the thing, you know, some people can read a room a little bit better than others, but I think anybody can become organizationally aware. Yes. 
I think if you want a really good if you want a really good example of poor organizational awareness, you need to go back to the episode where I talk about how not to change the name <laughs> of a church. And it's it's a really good case study in a lapse in organizational awareness in my life. Well, yes, that is one of my favorite episodes. But the the uh, elders uh, that were from your sending church did not help foster that uh, a good experience through that whole thing. So you need to give them a little ownership as well. <laughs> yeah, I I think one of the ways that you can understand organizational awareness is if you'll go more micro on it into your own life or your household, right? And so, meaning you understand the personality of your wife and of your children. And if you want to lead a change in your household, then you know, probably if you've been happily married long enough, how to bring that decision to your wife and to your kids. Right. And so, you know, that you can't just drop the hammer on it. And you know, there's a certain way you need to bring it up to your wife at a certain time of day or a certain whatever. And there's a certain way you need to introduce that to your kids and, in order to more effectively get them to buy into where you're going. So it's partially visionary shepherd, but it's really understanding the, the nuances and the personalities of the organization as a whole so that you can be a visionary shepherd and you can lead towards that. And so that helps me when I think about like, if I'm trying to get my wife to a certain outcome, I know there's a way to approach it. And I've learned also, there are ways not to approach it, and you figure those things out. So like in the church, I think about if I want to slowly roll out an idea and see, read the temperature of how it's going to be received, I know which five people to run that idea by. And, and so what I do is I've got in my mind, and I just call or sit down with those people, and I say, hey, let me run an idea by you that I am considering for our church. And at that point, I legitimately am just considering it. And I want to see what the temperature of the church would be. And so I say, here's, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if we do this, it would help us do this. And whatever that is I bring to them, they have questions or they have objections. And usually out of those five people, that gives me a pretty accurate reading of how the church as a whole is going to feel. What that also does for me is allows me to understand what questions and objections to anticipate when I bring it to the church as a whole. And if I can go ahead and answer those questions and objections when I present the idea of the church, it goes across a lot smoother. So that's mm -hmm. a lesson that I've learned about organizational awareness kind of the hard way. Yeah, I think what you just described, if most pastors would do that on a regular basis, we would see longer pastor tenure and healthy and less divided bodies. Yeah. So connected to these two is the third characteristic that comes under head in the way that we think through leadership is tactical patience. Similar to Visionary Shepherd, this is really two ideas brought together. Uh, now, this is a phrase from my research that really comes uh, originally out of the military. Um, I have found tactical patience most often referred to in training for snipers. Um, and as snipers are, uh, now not that as replanters that we are snipers, but uh, <laughs> this is where the phrase from what I understand comes from is as a sniper is so far away from the situation and he's looking at 
what needs to happen, and there's certain objectives to his mission that can be confused. And so when a sniper's looking through his scope, is that guy pulling a rifle out of the back of the truck or is he pulling a shovel out of the back of the truck, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very tactical and strategic for him to understand the difference. And he's got to be patient and he's got to know when to pull the trigger and when not to pull the trigger. And so that would be the shortest and easiest definition to tactical patience is knowing when to pull the trigger. Uh, now, obviously, as replanters, we're not actually pulling triggers. Uh, but we are. Well, we might do something that feels like a trigger pull. We do. We do. And it might trigger some actions, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. One of the ways that, that I have found helpful to think about this is tactical patience is, let's say you have five priorities that you know absolutely need to, to happen in the church right? Five critical things and no one would dispute them. But if you did all five of them in a given year, the place would be descend into chaos. People would leave. You would have so many people leave that you couldn't fund things anymore. People would be angry and they just wouldn't know why. And, you know, all just all kinds of craziness would, would happen. So tactical patience is as as I have seen it, is saying I've got five things that absolutely have to be done, and we all would probably agree on them to some level. But this year, we're only going to do two of them, and I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait. Those other three, um, I, I'm I'm committed to them, and they still need to happen. But because of the the level of change and level of chaos it could introduce into the body, I'm going to wait a little bit, and we're going to only do these two. And that's a tactical decision based on the condition of your people. So it does relate. I think you said this, it does, this sort of relates to visionary shepherding in some ways, right? To know what the the people can bear, but it's having the patience to say, huh, I want this to happen, but I'm going to wait on it. Yeah. Really all three of these are very interconnected in the idea of what does it mean to lead change well in a dying or struggling church? Uh, how does how how do you think through changed leadership and lead it well as a replant pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, so the the written definition that we have for tactical patience is the ability to skillfully implement change at a pace that is appropriate to a specific congregation's health and needs. It is about having the discernment of knowing when something must be changed and how it should be changed. Yeah. So, Bob, on thinking about change leadership in general or any of these specific three, what is kind of one book, one resource you would recommend if somebody wanted to grow in the understanding of thinking like a replanter as a visionary shepherd uh, with organizational awareness and tactical patience? And it's hard for me to say that one book encompasses all of those things. Um, You know, in, in the book that Halleck and I wrote, we, we talk about them in a general way. Um, but I guess um, one of them that comes to mind is Embers to a Flame by Harry Reader Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or is it the third? I can't remember. One, it, you know, it's, you know the Embers to Harry Reader the third. Um, his book is, is both spiritual and tactical in, in terms of just the things that it, it suggests and it suggests and what it does. And so I felt, very helpful or very helped by thinking about 
revitalizing and replanting our church in, in thinking through Harry Reader's book. Um, how about you? Do you have a book that you feel like is a, a leadership book that just really helps you deal with these three that we've mentioned? If I were to narrow all three down into one, now I have several recommendations for each of them, but if I had to narrow it down to one book for me, it would actually be Leading Major Change by Jeff Orge. Um, Jeff does such a great job of explaining the complexities of major change. Um, Now he's not as much talking about as a replanter, but, but he's talking about like major changes. Uh, so he talks about from personal experience, uh, leading a church plant that was intentionally very organic, not centered on having facility, uh, to doing a building program and building a, a, a facility. He talks about a state convention and completely restructuring the way a state convention ends up operating. And then he talks about leading uh, Golden Gate Seminary and uh, the relocating it into four hours away, changing the name of a uh, legacy Southern Baptist seminary. And, and so honestly, the changes that he, the experiences that he has of leading change almost seem more varsity than replanting. Mm-hmm. And from those experiences, he, in a very biblical way, without using necessarily the same terminology of visionary shepherd and organizational awareness and tactical patience really addresses those things well. And one of the things he said that sticks out to me all the time, looking back, it's one of those books I wish I would have read before I started replanting. But he says, it's not the change that'll kill you. It's managing the transition. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have found that to be so true. And it's why when you go to that church, they say, we want change. We want change. We want change. Cause they do, they do want change. They want there to be more people and they want to be more on mission and they want to see more people saved and they want to see all those things happen. But it's the process, right? In the same way that I may look in the mirror and I may want to be skinnier. Um, it, it, that change isn't going to be hard to me in the sense of like, if you showed me a skinny buff version of me, I'm going to go awesome. That looks great. It's the transition that I have a a difficulty with. It's the work that goes into getting there. That is the complicated process, which is why we have to think like a replanter. We got to have uh, tactical patience, organizational awareness so that we can lead as a visionary shepherd. Hey, readers, listeners out there, we would love to hear from you. What books would you recommend? What questions do you have about being a visionary shepherd, about having tactical patience, about having organizational awareness, about thinking like a replanter? Contact us, hit us up on social media, email us, let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.